Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal. Welcome to it. Wednesday edition, Hale Varsity Radio uh, on the road here at Pinnacle Bank Arena for Girls State Basketball 2023. Uh, taking you till 6 Courtside, Bellevue West leading Bellevue East at halftime. We'll get you score updates at the end of each quarter. 25-16, Bellevue West over their rival, Bellevue East. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, as uh, we're excited to have you in with Hale Bar City Radio. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240 to dial us up here on Hale Bar City. You can also, uh, across the state, find us at one 800 825 5865. We're streaming as well. Not streaming basketball action, just streaming the show. Hail Varsity YouTube channels where you can find us. Also, the Hail Varsity Radio Twitter handle at HVarsity Radio. Facebook for KFOR, Twitter for KFOR. Down the row, our friend Jacob Padilla with Hail Varsity, and of course, Mike Sauter with Herd at Sports, giving you all the excellent high school prep coverage. Well, uh, Less than 12 hours ago, Elijah, man, uh, what a first half it was for Nebraska basketball. They were up by 12, up by as many as 15. Sparty was shooting a a whopping 27%. Nebraska right around 60%. And then uh, it all went sideways. all went haywire as... What a close, what a finish, what a response by Michigan State, 80-67. to 67. Uh, We'll get to that reaction and thoughts uh, with last night. Of course, uh, it is NFL Combine time. O'Shawn Mathis gets to get his track shoes out tomorrow. Uh, Travis Vokalek uh, and Trey Palmer on the show here in about 15 minutes. Already in the green room is Mike Babcock. So we'll hear from Babbers here at about... Uh, 15 minutes, assuming uh, he still wants to hang around and chat with us. Evan Bland in hour two, coming up from the Omaha World Herald, the latest on Will Bolt. Big baseball weekend for Nebraska in Minneapolis. Uh, they'll take on Vandy at 11 o'clock on uh, on Friday, uh, Hawaii Saturday, and uh, then they'll get to arm wrestle with Elijah's Ole Miss. Uh, Rebels whoa, on whoa, whoa. Sunday. Can, can I can I say old Elijah's Ole Miss Rebels? 
I follow them. I do. I have been following them this year, so maybe. I mean, a, a you have post- a sweatshirt. I mean, when, that's more than I have. When compared to the rest of the state of Nebraska, yes, you can call them Elijah's Ole Miss Rebels. Compared to, like, you know, Ole Miss fans, I am so, like, on bottom tier, like, barely following them. I know they've run ruled a couple teams this year. I know they have a really good offense. Their pitching staff really hasn't been tested, and I think uh, with that base of knowledge, you already, already know more about the Ole Miss baseball team than 99.8% of the state of Nebraska. So, sure, Elijah Herbal's Ole Miss Rebels. So we are at Rosie's tomorrow again, four to six. Elijah's packing his uh, backpack for Vegas. Uh, we wish you well, good sir. I don't want a, a, a hangover part four uh, emerging. Uh, oh no, no, don't no! Behave too much. I'm, I'm going to make money well enough. This is a business okay. venture for me. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that. Uh, can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity.com. So. Let's talk Nebraska-Michigan State briefly, and it was just insane, that second-half three-point barrage by Michigan State. 12 of 17, and I thought things were going to be, I'm stupid here, okay for Nebraska when Sparty cut it down to three. It was 45-42, and then immediately you get a a, a, a seven Nothing spurt by Nebraska, capped off by the Tominaga no-look three, and Nebraska pushed their lead back up to 10, and then it just never got better for Nebraska. And for the first time in a long time, and this happens to teams, the offensive woes affected the defensive intensity. Listen, we watched a lot of the first half at Rosie's. Driving back was listening to... Ken Pavelka, Jake Milheisen on our affiliate 590. Incredible uh, work by those guys. The moment, the sound, the atmosphere, the joy was as loud as I've heard Pinnacle Bank Arena in X number of years. Since No Sit Sunday, since Terran Petaway's pull-up three and transition to, yep, he's on against that No Sit Sunday Wisconsin team with Frank the Tank, the Final Four team. That's what it sounded like. You couldn't hear the announcers, and it was just bedlam. It was incredible to listen to. It was a lot of fun to watch if you're a Nebraska basketball fan. And then the the bottom dropped out, and, and you see it. It is a tale of two halves, and Nebraska could just never get going. Uh, I, I think they, they pressed. Walker, usually the offense goes through him. He only had nine shot attempts, six to nine. Jamarcus Lawrence, man, I, I'm, you know, big picture here for Nebraska. That kid's a ball player. He isn't he hadn't afraid of anything. He took some, some monster shots and made some monster shots, and he paced Nebraska, seven for ten from the floor. Uh, Tominaga was seven for 11. Wiltshire, one for five. Greasel, uh, bless his heart, I think just got a little bit pressed and a little bit sped up uh, in uh, that second half, just wanting it too much. From a, ba- uh, from a bench standpoint, uh, Nebraska had one bench point, uh, and, and that came uh, really late in, in the ballgame. Uh, it, it was uh, five total with, with, with uh, Sammy Hoiberg from the free throw line. But uh, it was uh, just a, a tough night for Nebraska. Uh, Hauser goes off for six threes. Aikens goes for five. Walker hits three of four, and then Sparty also got two for four from Hall, 
and it was just rain and threes. No answer for Nebraska last night against Michigan State. So uh, credit to Izzo, credit to Michigan State. They had to have last night. They did not need to continue the losing streak, and you wondered how they'd respond after Iowa. Well, I thought they'd respond how Michigan State typically responds, and they were tested. They were all but buried in the first half, and they came out swinging, and that's a glimpse of what Michigan State can be. Quick update here at PBA, 637 timeout called. Bellevue West on top, 31-19. to But Nebraska's job now is to respond. They have had great resilience with this group of seniors. They go to Iowa City. All Iowa did was hang 90 on the road in Bloomington last night as they dismantled a red-hot Indiana team. Uh, That's going to be no fun. So Nebraska's task is still the same. Uh, Finish the year 2-1. and Looks like they're going to be playing Minnesota for a third time in Chicago next week. So their job is to shake it off. They'll try and steal one in Iowa City. Don't know that that's going to happen. And then go try and get two uh, in Chicago. They they beat Minnesota. They'll likely uh, get Indiana if things don't get too crazy over the weekend. Well, Smitty, I want to take it back to last night briefly because I, I said on the show, whoever wins that game between Michigan State and Nebraska will be the team that is making more plays down the stretch. And I think whenever you close the game on a, what was it, 32-7 run for Michigan State? Was that the, the final number? I can't quite remember what the right 38-12. to 38-12, there's the number. Whenever you close the it game hurts. on a 38-12 to 12 <laughs> run, I think it's safe to say that Michigan State made more plays down the stretch of that game. They really settled in, and they shot over 70% from three in the second half. They got a lot of open looks from three. So uh, I, I think that's a combination of them getting hot at the right time in Nebraska's defense, uh, not adjusting to Michigan State in the second half. And then you also had a case of what I saw to be some seniors that were pressing last night, some guys that felt that adversity and said, it's senior night, I'm going to step up, I'm going to make a play. And uh, that hasn't been how this Husker basketball team has won games over the past month, month and a half. It hasn't been uh, guys putting the weight of the the team on their back and saying, I'm going to step up, I'm going to make a play. It's been team basketball on the offensive end. Uh, that's, that has allowed Nebraska to, to score more points as of late. You didn't see that last night. Michigan State was able to make more plays down the stretch. That's going to happen against teams that are better than you. I think Nebraska, from a physicality standpoint and from a, an effort standpoint, matched up with Michigan State last night. They just had more shooters on the floor. They had a little bit more talent, and you saw that in the final 10 minutes of that basketball game. It's credit to Michigan State. I don't think it takes anything away from what Nebraska's done over the past month and a half. You just know the task now is uh, to go put up a good effort against Iowa and uh, at Carver-Hawkeye, which is always a tough place to go win. And you got to say, you know what? We're in the play-in games, the Big Ten tournament. I don't think how we've been playing over the past month should put us there, but that's what the adversity that lies ahead of us is. Is this Husker basketball team going to embrace that adversity? Everything I've seen has told me, yes, they will, uh, but that remains to be seen. We'll see how Nebraska goes and performs in Chicago. It's been a tough place for Nebraska since joining the Big Ten, the Big Ten tournament has, I should say, and uh, we'll see if this team has a different kind of medal to them. That's what it takes in the Big Ten tournament. You're going and playing games on back-to-backs, very little preparation. What kind of medal, M-E-T-T-L-E, does this Husker basketball team have? We'll find out in Chicago, but what I've seen over the past month would show me that they're not going to back down to any challenges that stand in their way. Yesterday was a uh, a slight hiccup in the road, but uh, I think that was expected to happen. We kind of called it on the show yesterday. Not me. I picked Nebraska, but we knew that the magic was going to come to an end. How are they going to respond to this now, now that things uh, have stopped going your way in the month of February? 
Nebraska with 10 field goals made in the second half. Nine turnovers, nine of the 14 turnovers also. 12 for Nebraska and uh, bench scoring non-existent. What Michigan State did, aside from try and hide from Tom Izzo at halftime, because I, I, I guarantee you things were probably flying and paint was peeling based on his post-game interview uh, with BTN. Well, he actually guarded some, you know, I mean, he was, he gets insanely intense and, and you know that going in and you love playing for him and he knows how to push buttons and challenge. But he, um, he went after Tobinaga. I mean, they, they found a matchup in, in the rotation and Michigan State came out and hit four of their first five threes, and those were closeouts on Tominaga. I know he scored 20. I know he's been a catalyst for these guys, but there's still the, the reality of his part of the game, and that is the defensive liability. He's well, it's, been it's, better much of the season, but Sparty really targeted him yesterday in the second half, and uh, that got them going. It's just the reality that this team despite all the heart, is still limited. With, with a guy like Casey, it's on the defensive end of the floor. He's limited there. With a guy like C.J. Wilcher this season, it's been shooting for some reason. I don't think anyone saw that coming. He's been able to, to step up on the defensive side for the most part, but he's been limited with shooting. With Wilhelm Breidenbach, it's physicality going down low against some of the, uh, the Big Ten's really physical big men. Nebraska's limited there. Just Nebraska is limited in a lot of places on the floor, and heart can only make up for so much of that. You saw that down the stretch of that game last night. Tom Izzo to your point, made a lot of great adjustments in the second half. Nebraska, whenever they faced adversity, didn't quite adjust and it felt like they they were feeling that moment. Whenever Michigan State started making that run, you were sitting there watching that game going, alright, who's going to step up? Who's going to make a play? Who's going to stem the tide? Because it's been one guy, Kise hitting a shot, Sam Hoiberg making a play defensively, Derek Walker putting his head down, getting a tough bucket and getting to the line as well. You were waiting, hoping somebody would make a play. It never quite happened. That's going to happen in the game of basketball. It's all about how you respond now in the next couple of weeks as you're into a very important uh, stretch of your season if you want to go make noise in an NIT tournament. Uh, You're into the important stretch. You can't let one loss phase you. We're here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, Girls State Basketball 2023. Opening round action. The battle for Bellevue right now is... Bellevue East has gotten a little bit of momentum. They're still down 12. Nice and and one for Bell West, 37-25. Tonight, Millard North at 6 o'clock will take on Lincoln North Star, making their first trip to state ever. So congrats to the Gators. Southwest, a gallant effort earlier against Millard South. Millard South winning by double digits. Uh, We'll dive into some of the prospects now and into the future for Nebraska football with the NFL Combine. Mike Babcock's standing by as well to give us his thoughts on Husker baseball with an important weekend series RPI-wise. And uh, a little recon by one Elijah Herbal with our friends at Hale Varsity. Uh, and uh, we can kind of decipher the jerseys you're going to see with uh, Nebraska this spring practice. What does it mean? We all know it. The black shirt means, but what about some of the other shades uh, are are being rocked right now? Uh, Nebraska will, uh, no doubt, just to wrap up our basketball talk and basketball take, we'll get Babber's thoughts as well. Now, th- this team has provided a bunch of joy in February 
it's not over. It just feels like you woke up from a from a great dream based on how things have gone with Nebraska basketball the previous three seasons. It, uh, it feels like a, a great dream where Nebraska was, well, they were doing, quite frankly, what none of us expected them to do, and that's stabilize, put a run together, and do it with their backs totally against the wall due to injury. And that's what's been memorable about this team, whatever shakes out postseason or well, not. It's been the fact that it's a team that is very easy to root for, and they have found success in there. There's not a guy that I think you go on the floor that is, like, unenjoyable to, to root for. Casey's got the factor of being a great shooter. He brings a lot of energy. Uh, you've got in Derek Walker that seems to put his heart and soul into the program. Sam Hoiberg, the hometown, excuse me, Sam Griesel, the hometown kid. Sam Hoiberg, the coach's son. Everyone roots for the coach's son. Wilhelm Breidenbach just doesn't look like he should be Depending a basketball player. Depending on the player. travel team. <laughs> it, but Breidenbach just doesn't look like a basketball player. If you were to see him on the street, but then he gets on the floor and he's easy to root for for that reason. Everyone on that floor is easy to root for whenever they go on a run. It just makes them that much more lovable. Hurts to see them lose, but I think this whole uh, state is proud of what Husker basketball has put together in the last month. Yep, tough one here at PBA last night. We wind down this first segment. Mike Babcock's on the way. It's Hale Varsity presented by Currency. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, and now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for having us out here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, a roadshow Wednesday here, Girls State Basketball 2023. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Find us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And can find Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter as he joins us from Hale Varsity .com and magazine. Get the subscription today. HaleVarsity.com backslash offer for the magazine for the digital. Babbers in his football den. Mike, how we doing today? Thanks for the time. Hey, I'm doing okay, guys. I uh, want to say one more thing about what you were talking about, Michigan State. That second half, and, and I know 12 of 17 is remarkable. It's also a reflection in some way of the value of passing the ball, moving the ball, moving the ball, because when those guys, for the most part, shot those three-point shots, they were wide open. There was nobody covering them um, because they passed the ball around. And, I, you know, that's the thing that really I found remarkable is the adjustment that they made and the ability to get guys open to take those three-point shots. And every time that guy had that open shot, I thought, Holy mackerel, you know, here it goes. Well, and how many and, times uh, Michigan State was able to to make an extra pass? A, a guy gave up a good look for a great look. That's what surprised me. That was, I think, the difference between first half and the second half for Michigan State. It's the first half they were getting good looks, and the second half they were getting great looks. Yeah, open, open shots at the three. And uh, that was a function of passing the ball, like you said, passing up a good shot to get a great shot. Mike Babcock with us, and yeah, Sparty was spaced out. They moved the basketball. Their point guard was incredible. Finished with 10 points and 12 assists. 
Sparty was physical and tough on the glass, and Nebraska looked uh, like they ran out of gas a little bit as well. I know they're a little bit uh, thin on the bench, but what a run they've been on, Mike. Let's focus there for a moment. And I know uh, you got one left in the regular season at Iowa City. There's uh, the Chicago uh, showdown for Nebraska in the Big Ten tournament. They put themselves in position to, to, to find postseason. We'll see if they can can do it. Gorgeous home run pass here for Bellevue East to break in. Uh, touchdown Montana to Rice and an and one. Well, Smitty, it sounds, like they're, it sounds like they're cheering for you. It sounds like you've made a great point and the whole crowd erupted. Of course. Yeah, I think they're what applauding we... Smitty is what the deal is. looks like for me. <laughs> they might be. They're, they're chanting babbers, babbers. That's what they're doing right now. But, uh, yeah. no, I mean. It's significant. That's what they're saying. Uh, well, I can go talk to him here and, and see if we can't get a Babbers chant here from both student sections. I love it. But, I think Babbers uh, have to throw the bones after that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where were you? Where's Babbers going to sign on uh, on, uh, on March 30th? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, you know, the this. basketball team has also done well considering the injury situation. I mean, you've lost two of your best defenders for the season. And then last night you had uh, Lawrence went out briefly with an injury. Uh, did Tominaga, did he finish the game? Did he come back? I don't, he, I don't he, think he, he was did, on the court. But his, his ankle was a bit gimpy. So he, he, I don't know if what his deal was. I just know that he had picked on the first five minutes and that opened the floodgates. We had a, a yeah. comment from Brian. And a guy that's not seen as many minutes in the rotations, Denham Dawson. Denham's one of the better defenders, and, and Denham, uh, with given the opportunity, came in early in this season post uh, injuries and, and sparked a little bit. And then Tominaga, with his time coming off the bench, kind of really took off. So I don't know where Denham is in the lineup, but uh, that's a good point by Brian on the uh, Hale Varsity YouTube channel. But no, I, I think it's gonna be awful tough. I think Iowa's woke up uh, with what they did uh, to Indiana, how they came back against Michigan State. Iowa's riding uh, the right wave right now, and it'll be really tough for Nebraska to, to go get that done this weekend. But still plenty of basketball left potentially for Nebraska uh, if they can Make a move or two in Chicago, Mike. Yeah, well, Iowa's fourteen and two at home, so uh, that's that magnifies the situation. That's going to be a difficult task for the Huskers, but I, I, I still think that uh, you know what we've seen in in February uh, from this team. I think you can feel like if you get an opportunity to play in the NIT, for example, um, I think it's a team that can can be successful to some degree. I don't know how far you're going to go, but I, if they can keep everybody else healthy um, and able to play, I, I've just been impressed. Now, the second half uh, of the uh, Michigan State game, it was not so impressive, but the first half was, you know, off the charts impressive, I thought, the way they played. And uh, if, if you can get somewhere in between or, or replicate that first half, um, Nebraska is a force to be reckoned with, even in the Big Ten tournament, I think, um, because of, of – and, and it's a strong conference. I mean, I, you know, I don't 
presume that Nebraska is going to win the conference tournament, but it's going to be a tough out. You know, whoever has to play them is going to have to be at the be at their best, the way Michigan State was in the second half last uh, last night. Mike Babcock's with us here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. And Mike, let's quickly switch gears here, talk some Husker baseball, something we haven't spent a whole bunch of time on this week as uh, we've had plenty to talk about with Husker basketball and high school hoops here in the capital city. But uh, when you look at Husker baseball, a successful weekend, and I don't think there's any way you can contest that against South Alabama. You get the sweep. You, uh, you put up a lot of runs. Your, your pitching looks good. But now you face a tall test this weekend with Vanderbilt and Ole Miss up in Minneapolis. And before we get there, just give me your thoughts on the weekend that was for Husker baseball. It kind of feels like uh, that was the, the weekend they should have had the opening weekend, able to build a little bit of confidence against uh, a lesser foe, if I, if I dare say it that way, in South Alabama. Yeah, but, but you know, a mindset, you come off of a series in which you're 0-3-1 and, and, and you're playing a team that's that's had success, you know, it's a mindset that they're they're winning. Um, so I think that that part of it makes it more difficult for Nebraska. I thought Nebraska responded very well. I thought, uh, you know, relief pitching was something that uh, was a factor, was a problem the first weekend. Um, I thought that that's, there was some step up there. Um, Garza you know, did a, did a nice job uh, coming in. And, uh, you know, we met today with uh, a couple of players. In addition, Garza was one of them. Uh, I think he's going to fit into the rotation in, in some way as a reliever, probably. And they will both said he even could be down the line at some point. He could be a starter. Um, but I think that the, you know, the pitching was better. Um, you didn't walk everybody like you did the the first week, first week, you know, you had 20 walks and 10 hit by pitches. You know, you're not going to be successful that way. You you broke that down a little bit, although there were still guys who were getting hit by pitch on both sides of the ball. Nebraska had a bunch of guys get hit by pitches, um, and you're getting the you're getting the hitting. Uh, now Vanderbilt, you're going to face a team that has some really solid, solid pitching. Uh, Vanderbilt has not. Doesn't have a his team average about 253, I think, uh, if I remember that correctly. Um, but the pitching you've got you've got two starters with an ERA under two, you've got a third starter with an ERA of 2.08. Um, pitching is going to be the thing that you're going to have to. We're going to see whether the Nebraska hitters who have had success, you know, Max Anderson's hitting over 400. Josh Karam has really stepped up, hitting over 300. He's got three home runs, eight runs batted in. Um, you're going to Garrett Anglum, 345. I think he's batting. Uh, Bryce Matthews is hitting over 300. Uh, had a really nice last two games uh, in the South Alabama thing in the series. So that uh, I think that's going to be the test there is uh, how are you going to stand up against this kind of pitching? But, you know, they, they seem to have confidence. And, uh, you know, you're going to take it one game at a time. You got Vanderbilt, you know, then it's Hawaii, then it's Ole Miss. Um, like you said, it's, it's not an easy uh, thing, but they're going to go with the same starting rotation that they have uh, the first two weeks. Mike Babcock with us. A few minutes, Hale Varsity Radio live at PBA for girls state basketball, 540 left. In this fourth quarter, Bell West 51, Bell East 42, so it's tightened up a little bit. Mike going to go to the NFL Combine. Palmer, Mathis, Vokalek uh, are the invitees. And 
bigger question is this, um, is NFL talent. Do you expect that to be on an uptick under Matt Rule uh, because of, of, of the type of guy he's going after? And he's going after uh, one defining trait and characteristic, and that is speed. And you know the NFL loves guys that are fast. Yeah, speed. I think that was the, the significant thing, you know, that he talked about in recruiting. And it doesn't necessarily – I mean, he's looking at track guys. He's looking at speed, speed. Um, you know, he needs to upgrade that. I think that the potential for Nebraska's NFL-type players coming in here, you know, part of it is that he coached in the NFL. He has an idea of what kind of players fit that. But if it fits the system that he wants to put together here – uh, is going to be the question. Uh, he wants a physical kind of a uh, offensive line, defensive line. Physicality up front is important, and then that speed factor. So yeah, I think there's I think there's the potential for that. But I and that's going to be a focus, I think. But but the bottom line is you're coming here to play football for Nebraska. It's a college football thing. You have to have a team mentality. And that, you know, if, if you're just coming here, it's like, okay, my goal, my total focus is to play in the NFL. Um, it's going to be difficult to develop that kind of team chemistry that you need to have. Um, and, I, you know, I think that that's really important. I think that Rule has pointed that out. And, I, you know, I'll emphasize that. I'm rambling here, but I'll emphasize that. I remember it was, uh, maybe I've said this before, but a junior college transfer, you played in the offensive line a couple of years ago, might've been Carl Nix. I'm not really sure. I, I, I forget the name, but I was talking to him about transferring to Nebraska. And he said, oh, it was great transferring to Nebraska from a junior college because in junior college, everybody's playing for themselves. You know, they're all trying to get to the next level, to the four-year school. And he said, at Nebraska, I feel like I'm part of a team. And I think that that's the thing that you have to emphasize. So that if it's like, you know, my goal is to get to the NFL, you know, I'm, that's all you're concerned about. Um, it's going to be difficult. That team chemistry thing is going to be difficult to build. So yeah. I think it's going to be a combination. No, absolutely right on with that. And you, you, you got to be selfish, but only to a point. Uh, and the JUCO mentality, yeah, good take on that. Mike Babcock with us. Mike, we'll get caught up again next week, partner. Thanks for jumping on and spending a few minutes with us. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate you. There he is, historian, author, Hall of Famer, Mike Babcock. Hail Varsity continues. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hail Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday as we are day one of Girls State Basketball 2023. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, I'm posted up here courtside at PBA as Bellevue East and Bellevue West. About two minutes left in this one. A lead that's grown a bit by Bell West 
as they are over Bellevue East 61-44 here in real time. Numbers to get in, 489-1240. We'll dive in an hour or two to some of the, the draft hopefuls for the 2023 NFL draft for Nebraska and uh, some of those on the roster right now. Elijah, let's talk. Another video released. Our friend Brady Oltman's from Hale Varsity tweeting out or retweeting the Nebraska account of uh, the winter workouts that are ongoing. And a lot of fellas in, in black practice jerseys trying to, stri- to strip medicine balls, playing tug-of-war with those uh, giant plates that Elijah Herbal once upon a time in the southeast weight room put on each bar to crank out bench presses. Going to leave my, uh, my max out number uh, locked up inside uh, tight and personal. <laughs> so I'm not laughed out of the building. And uh, you, you have a bit of a rundown here with what each color signifies. And black is the best. That is, you're, you're a dude, and this staff has already recognized you as a dude, correct? How many color schemes do they have? Well, it looks to me like you got black. And then you have like a gray slash slate of sorts. And then you have red, you have white, and then you have both purple and green. And uh, in a conversation with Aaron Sorensen this morning, we seem to have figured out what most of the colors mean. She's on it, man. Yeah, so the the black is, as you mentioned, it's kind of like the gold standard. It's what you, you're trying to get to. Well, the, the whole thing with the jerseys is they're trying to promote the correct example within the program they do that with jerseys so black means you are going above and beyond you are a role model for the rest of the team if you want to do it right follow one of the guys who's wearing a black jersey they're going to get it right and then the black jersey guys they all work together in this winter conditioning program whenever you watch these videos it's always a a black jersey going up against a black jersey in these drills it's always a white jersey going up against a white jersey a red jersey going up against a red jersey so you're hoping to climb the ranks until you reach the uh the the echelon of all the guys wearing the black jerseys so that's what you're going for and that's like the exemplary you know what you're going above and beyond what the coaches are asking you're setting a great example for the rest of the team that's black when you have red, red is you're meeting expectations. Uh, this is what the coaches want from you. You're hitting those exactly. There's no complaints with what you're doing. You're not going above and beyond, though. And if you want to go above and beyond, fall the lead of the guys in the black jerseys. You have that slate color, which is kind of somewhere in between the two. You're not the perfect example, but you're getting there. Uh, and then you have white jersey, which means currently you're below our expectation. You're just trying to get to red for now to meet the coaches' expectations. And then from there, you can go work up into being a, a slate guy or a black jersey type guy. So white jerseys is at the bottom, meaning needs improvement as of right now. And then it seems that green and purple both are along the lines of this player is dealing with some sort of injury and they're not a full go for winter conditioning. Unsure exactly what the, the green and the purple means, but they seem to be being worn by players that aren't full participants in winter conditioning. So that's the rundown. The, the, the green and the purple is a little bit confusing. I'm not sure what the difference between the two is. I'll continue working on that, trying to figure it out. But that's your rundown on what the jerseys mean through winter conditioning as you go check out the videos. And it seems from Aaron's uh, conversations with a couple players uh, this past week and this morning that the players seem to really appreciate this new system of knowing exactly where you are in the coach's pecking order through winter conditioning and exactly who you should be following in order to be uh, to be moving your way up not even uh, in the coach's perspective but also on the depth chart through winter conditioning trying to get yourself a good spot as spring starts to reset black silver red white that's the order yes black silver red white and then green purple seems to be something to do with injury 
Okay, so if you're wearing a white jersey uh, and they got to get down to 85. You're in the danger zone. <laughs> you are in the danger zone. And uh, it's... Uh, it's laid out for you. That's and that's so why I, I think just, the best I wonder, part. Is. I wonder what I wonder what moving day is like, though. When, at what point does a red become a white and a white become a red, and all of a sudden you're uh, they won't do this, but they do in the NFL. Your uh, your belongings go in a trash bag, and uh, you're cut, or you're transferring, or hey, uh, take that medical. Red shirt, uh, a win for Bellevue West as they move on to the semis in girls Class A opening round action, 63-46 over Bellevue East, Miller North and North Star in about an hour and 15 minutes here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. No, this is no nonsense. This is straight talk. It's visual. It is visual. There's been communication. Here's the expectations. Here's the standard. And it sounds like not only are the coaches able to communicate that with the team, Elijah, but it's the peers in the black jerseys that are also coaching up and performing at that level. And uh, what, what seems to be interesting about this is, as you've laid out, it, it sets a very clear expectation for the team. The team knows exactly what they need to do in order to go get yourself a black jersey. You, you want to be a guy wearing a, a black shirt during winter conditioning? You know exactly what you need to do. But it also sounds like it's a sliding scale of sorts. So that what if you're a black jersey and you maintain exactly what you're doing over the course of two weeks, that not, might not be good enough to earn yourself a black jersey in two weeks. It's a sliding scale based on what the rest of the team is doing. So if some of these red jersey guys start catching the black jersey guys and, and they're overtaking them, the same effort that it takes to keep a, a black jersey right now may not be good enough a week from now, may not be good a month ago, a month from now. And that is kind of uh, going to be part of your your evaluation process with these guys is you know, you know what, I'm not working hard enough right now. What I was doing two weeks ago isn't good enough. We're trying to be our best to do that. We got to keep on one-upping each other and going above and beyond. Brody, uh, we will try and go frame by frame. Uh, That'll be part of Elijah's homework and my homework over the weekend while he's in Vegas. Uh, I'll be at home and we will go frame by frame. But if you see the Husker football Twitter account tweeting out these uh, these winter conditioning exercises and you can recognize a dude um, there you go I don't have a list we don't have the <laughs> we don't have the the black jersey list we don't have the white jersey list uh, Dan tweets in well I, 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 uh, I can I've picked out a couple guys in the video that stand out to me as being guys in black jerseys uh, Nash Hutmacher is one of them in a black jersey you have Luke Reimer in a black jersey Chubba Purdy is in a black jersey uh, I am trying to figure out I believe that's Phelan Sanford in a black jersey but I'm not 100% certain on that one if you go through and watch the video start picking out jersey numbers and seeing who you see in the black jerseys that is seemingly your scale as it stands right now though Pretty uh, accurate right there. But if you're in a white jersey, Dan says, look, that means we're 15 over. There's an 85 limit. You is on notice. Uh, And that's kind of what we're thinking. Oh, a notable black jersey, or excuse me, a a slate jersey uh, is, uh, I believe it's Maverick Noonan early in his Husker career in a slate jersey. That's cool. 
He just got here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see Malcolm Good Hartzog in a black jersey. I, I'm just siphoning through the video here, seeing who I see. Sure. Hartzog's in a black jersey. Fedoni's in a red. You saw that pretty notably in the videos. He won one of his reps, but he is in a red jersey. So that's interesting to, to note. But he's also coming back from injury. Interesting, he's not in one of the injured jerseys. He's in a seemingly full participant jersey. There you go. There's the rundown of the jerseys. Where do you stand on the team here going through winter and conditioning? We're here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, day one of Girls State 2023. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Hale Varsity Roadshow here at PBA today. Back at Rosie's downtown tomorrow, 10th and P. We'll step away, wind down hour one. Evan Bland on the way. Hale Varsity continues, presented by Currency. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Winded down this first hour, it's Hale Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday here, Girl State 2023. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, courtside uh, with Hale Varsity Radio. So, uh, just a warning, Elijah. I don't know if you're a, a, a mixed drink guy or not, but apparently, a line eye player, Matthew Mayer has been sick the last few days with caffeine poisoning. He drank five Monster Energy drinks while playing video games on Sunday after the Ohio State game, and it's his first day back at practice. I've tried to, to get caffeine poisoning with cups of coffee on certain days, but I've never cranked out five monsters in one sitting no not even close. nor have i nor have i tried to get caffeine poisoning but th- there's a there's a bar right there i, I think the closest uh, i've gotten is various pre-workouts and now the pre-workouts have extended into the energy drink market you have bang energy uh ghost energy Carson, is a new popular one junior drinks two 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 bangs before every ball game and those things are the- terrifying I will say those things are like 300 plus milligrams of caffeine in one of them, dude. I have like never been closer to what I thought was a heart attack than after a bang energy. Uh, And they also had what was called, uh, I can't remember what the pre-workout was called back in the day, but one of my buddies recommended it to me in high school. And I swear to God, I took this. We went and did a, it was our max out day in the weight room back in high school. So I did it. I did awesome in my workouts. Like I felt like I had a a crazy, like extra 10 pounds that I could, I could push out there. But on the downside, I could not sleep for a full day and a half jeez yeah, yeah junior's like hey old man old man are you out of chew i'm like maybe and he's like well when you go in there uh i need two cherry vanilla bangs that may might be part of his problem with throwing strikes it could be because two it two bang be. energies is equivalent to like four red bulls yeah what really frightens me is he takes his iv out what i'm kidding I'm joking. Junior mainlining bang. Um, <laughs> That's a performance yeah, enhancing drug, I think. <laughs> hey, dude, I need you to pee in a cup for me. Can you help me out? Uh, this uh, just sent in uh, from a walk-on. Uh, that's leading the way, setting the standard, rocking the standard for Nebraska football, these winter conditioning workouts. Grant Buda, uh, walk-on, uh, hell of a player at Lincoln Southwest. He's been performing at a high level, uh, wearing uh, the black jersey, uh, this winter conditioning. And as we look at some of the white jerseys we're talking about, or that silver, I should say. Silver, you, you mentioned Mav Newton. Maybe some of the new faces or freshmen are 
in that group. See, we don't have it, confirmation. It, on I that. don't have confirmation. That's not what I originally heard. But as I watch back, it seems to be mostly uh, like what it, I've right? seen. It seems to be freshmen in the slate jersey. So it could be a, a case of here you're freshmen who are setting the standard. You get yourself a slate jersey. That could be what I'm seeing. I'll have to get some confirmation, do some digging on that because that's not what I originally heard. But that's what it seems to be whenever I watch back that video they posted today. Well, good stuff on on Grant Buda. Uh, good dude and a really good football player and good for him with what uh, he's doing on the practice field. Hour two, we'll spend time with Evan Bland uh, from the Omaha World Herald. He'll uh, join us, get some thoughts on some Husker baseball with Evan, uh, get his take on things uh, also with uh, some Nebraska football and NFL Combine on our mind. Who can wow tomorrow? If you're Nebraska, O'Shawn Mathis, where's his draft grade at right now? Where's Trey Palmer? Where's his grade at right now? And a reminder to get buckled up as hands on the wheel, eyes and minds straight ahead. The driver has one job. That's to drive a message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at fscedge.com. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio Hour 2 here at Pinnacle Bank Arena, the calm before the night session here. Courtside, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Elijah's got his bags packed. He is off to Vegas tomorrow. We will see if uh, Chow bails him out or he bails Leslie Chow out over the weekend. It should be noted by uh, you saying I have my bags packed. You far, far overestimate my preparedness for this trip. <laughs> no, you're, you're, you're bringing a backpack with a phone charger, some deodorant, a toothbrush, and maybe a new T-shirt. I don't, I, you know, and, Rosie's and, and, tomorrow, and, four and, to six is where we're at. You are clearly getting product placement uh, and funding to, to go uh, to, to to Vegas with some some of your friends. No, it's uh, it's uh, all I, all I really think I need. <laughs> I think I need for success is just a couple hundred dollars. If I have that with me, I'll be just fine. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. You're gonna you're gonna reenact Joe Pesci in Casino. Hit me, hit me. <laughs> uh, pretty good. Uh, we'll talk NFL Combine and projections for some Nebraska prospects 
We'll hit some baseball. Uh, Evan with us. Do we have Evan locked in? All right. Evan Bland is with us from the Omaha World Herald at Evan Bland OWH. On Twitter is where you find him. Evan, how's the day? Thanks for jumping on, man. Yeah, doing well. Now now I want to go to Vegas, though, so you got me all worked up for that. But, no, doing hanging, hanging out, doing fine. Good, good, good. I, I have never in my entire life. Uh, Elijah's going to go uh, clean up. Uh, are you Blackjack? Are you Hold'em? Are you Craps? Elijah, what is the game of choice? I don't understand Craps one bit. My plan is to start out with some poker, and as long as I don't get cleaned out too quick, then uh, we make it to Blackjack and maybe some roulette as the weekend goes on. And obviously, got to make a, a stop by the sports book. I'm going to the, the UFC fights this weekend. John Jones and Cyril Gunn are going at it, so I got to lay down just a little bit of action while I'm in Vegas. Evan, what is your uh, game of choice in Vegas? Uh, you know, I like blackjack. Um, you know, every now and again I'll do uh, a Major League Baseball parlay. I think those are pretty pretty good. But, you know, I try to avoid the, the Vegas vacation type of places where you're guessing the number behind someone's back or, or doing rock, paper, scissors or that kind of thing. I try to keep it a little more mainstream. See, and I want to hit the poker table because, well, A, I've been watching a whole bunch of World Series of Poker videos on YouTube. Do you have your sunglasses ready? No, I don't. I, I just consider myself like I've done some preparation there. I've done my homework. I'm all, I'm all set. But also, instead of playing against the house, you are playing against the other people at the table, which I feel like it gives you better odds. Because if you're playing against the house in Vegas, the Vegas will all, Vegas will always have the odds stacked against you. In poker, you're playing against the people at the table, so it just comes to, down to how good they are. You know, it's a judgment call. Is the uh, person next to Elijah smoking Camel Lights or Lucky <laughs> Strikes? Uh, but um, you know, Elijah, that's uh, you're going to judge the competition at the table. You're going to mm-hmm. go James Bond. You're going to sit down and you're going to. Try and go to go to work uh, with Texas Hold'em. Evan Bland is with us. Let's talk baseball uh, for a moment. Evan, did you uh, did you run into the uh, everyday mall Santa out there in Vegas, Pete Rose? Did you get any tips from him on baseball? <laughs> no. I, should I have? Um, maybe I missed I out on he, an opportunity there. I think Pete strolls around Vegas, one of the the malls where you can go get hit king graphing a bat or a ball. And while you're at it, I just ask him what he thinks of the spring training rundown. <laughs> if we're going to bet the uh, the old baseball parlay, <laughs> let's start with Nebraska baseball. And uh, you, you caught up with Coach Bolt today, and uh, vibe right now. Really good weekend for Nebraska. Now they're trying to to take that on the road to Minneapolis, as they uh, they set up with uh, a great opportunity. Right, two heavyweights from the SEC in Hawaii. Right. And, and, you know, kind of like you said, I mean, they set it up pretty well. You, you look back to the opening weekend, you go 0-3-1, and, and you're thinking, man, this is not what was sort of the vision of how this season would go. And then they go to South Alabama, pull off the sweep, and really the big difference was the bullpen. I mean, they give up 18 earned, I think it was, in 14 innings in San Diego, and then they toss 13 scoreless at South Alabama. And, and the offense kind of has done what it's done. It's showing a little bit more power and more depth this year, certainly, than what we saw last year. The starting pitching has been, I would say, good, not great both weekends. But the ability of the bullpen to bounce back and to really show the depth that it looked like it had in the preseason, I think is the most encouraging part of this thing. And, yeah, I mean, you look at this opportunity this weekend. You have two top teams, Vanderbilt Friday, Ole Miss Sunday, Hawaii sandwiched in there on Saturday. 
Um, it, it is. It, it's a major opportunity for Nebraska uh, as it tries to build that NCAA at-large resume where you know you want to be in a position where you don't have to win the Big Ten tournament at the end of the year or the, even the regular season to get in. You want to build the, the strength of that RPI now. And you look at Nebraska's schedule, they're not going to leave the state uh, the rest of this month. And their home schedule is, I would say, extremely manageable. But the, the downside is when you look at the rest of the way, there's not a lot of opportunities to get those big RPI-changing, RPI-defining uh, sort of games. And, and, and really outside of Maryland and, and a series at Iowa, this is sort of probably it in terms of top 25 competition Nebraska is going to see. So uh, major, major opportunities. Everyone knows Vanderbilt but that's been to the College World Series regularly, won the title in 19. Miss won the championship last year, um, and they're still rolling one of the best lineups in the sport right now. So big chance for Nebraska. We'll see how that momentum carries over, but it really is. It's more it, – it, I think you have to look at it more of a big picture as a fan and say that, um, you know, how they do this weekend will define how we talk about their postseason chances going forward. Evan, how do you define a successful weekend for the Huskers this weekend? Is, is it – going to come down to wins and losses for you here because you got some stiff competition. I don't want to overlook Hawaii here, but I don't know as much about them as I know about Vandy and Ole Miss. And you mentioned Ole Miss. Very dangerous lineup. I know they've already run-ruled a couple teams this year. Pitching's somewhat untested, but they got hitters one through nine in that lineup. As for Vandy, they have talent every single year, especially in their pitching rotation. They always have some strong arms. So I want to get your take on what a successful weekend looks like for the Huskers against those two teams in particular. Well, I mean, you'd love to win one of those two. Uh, both of those teams, I mean, they're top ten, but they do have, I would say, flaws uh, relative to what their standards are. Uh, you know, Vanderbilt, their pitching is elite, their defense is top-notch, but the offense has been kind of suspect, and it's it's a younger group that's sort of finding its way, really talented group, but that's a time, it's a kind of team that you probably would rather play now than two months from now, once they've gone through the SEC grind and sort of figured things out. Ole Miss kind of the opposite, where they still return a ton of firepower from what they had in Omaha last year. Really, the, the pitching beyond their Friday guy is is new and untested and that sort of thing. And so you kind of like Nebraska uh, being in that Sunday spot with them when you see whatever might be left of their bullpen. And, and they have a guy uh, who's sort of had a couple of wobbly starts to his career, you would think would be the projected starter against Nebraska on that day. So, um, you know, if you if you go 0 for 2 and you're competitive, I, I suppose you, you, know, you move on and you start stacking wins and typically has done when it's gotten back to Haymarket Park, but you just can't understate, or I'm sorry, you can't overstate the value of getting one of those wins. So if it comes down to stretch and you're a bubble team, man, that's a victory that's going to keep giving if Ole Miss and Vanderbilt go on to do what they've done in past years. So, yeah, I mean, you can feel good about being competitive, um, but, you know, you think back to, to TCU last year. Nebraska gets a three-game series against TCU, which was top 25 at the time. They never led. They were they were fairly competitive, I suppose you could say, um, but it didn't do them a whole heck of a lot of good down the stretch. So you'd feel really good if you can find a way to steal one of these two this weekend. Evan Bland with us from the Omaha World Herald. A preview for Nebraska's weekend roadie to Minneapolis, Ole Miss, Vandy, and Hawaii on the docket for Will Bolt and crew at Hale Varsity Radio. We're at BBA 
for girls state basketball. Six o'clock tip coming up. North Star, their first trip ever to state for girls basketball. Most of the student section is filing in right now. Miller North after a year off of heading to state back at it again. So uh, we'll have coverage of that coming up. Evan, going to turn attention to the NFL Combine. You have uh, action tomorrow. O'Shawn Mathis going to be busy uh, as he's been working with linebackers and edge guys. And, you know, what, what did you hear about Mathis as far as projections go um, when he was at TCU, when he was all Big 12, when he was second team, all Big 12, and, and now you look at, at what he did at Nebraska, respectable, 50 tackles, respectable, 25 quarterback hurries, five, was great in that fourth quarter against Iowa. What's his, uh, his ceiling, in your opinion? Could he work his way into a, a second-day guy, or do you think he's uh, five through seven? Yeah, I think he's probably right on that line somewhere. And, and his is an interesting story because you do think about his situation last year when he could have turned pro. And, and I'm, I, I would be curious. I don't know that we'd ever really know the answer, but I'd be curious to see if his year at Nebraska boosted his draft stock, uh, if, it, if it dipped it a little bit or if it, it maybe didn't make too much of a difference. And, you know, having just seen him for the one year, and, and I know how, how TCU used him in there, defense he, he strikes me as a guy who uh, is going to ace the the interview portion you know he's a really thoughtful well-spoken young man um, physically I think he'll he'll test well in a lot of areas um, to me it's about the fit I mean he, in some ways he, he was kind of a tweener you got to find a I think a system that really allows him to get after the quarterback um, but doesn't necessarily overexpose him in the run game and I think that's what kept him off the field, at least didn't make him a you know a heavy full-time snaps guy at Nebraska was uh, you know just the the run stopping ability. So I think the ability to get after the the quarterback is up there. Um, but yeah, I mean I think if you're an NFL team looking at what he can bring you and and he can be a second or a third down uh, sort of guy to start and maybe you can um, build up that strength and, and find a good spot for him in the in the defense. Yeah, I think probably right on that line, maybe you know fifth sixth rounder is probably good and I I do think that how he does at this combine could make him some money if he performs well here over the next week too Evan as for Trey Palmer how much things on the line for him at combine week it it seems that uh, at least from the draft experts and combine experts that I I follow and and really trust their their opinion he sounds like he's a third round guy maybe a, a top end to the fourth round guy everyone sees the athleticism everyone sees the speed the questions with him are how is he going to adapt to NFL press coverage against the type of secondary members you're going to face in the NFL as well as what type of value can he bring out wide he, he seems to bring a lot of value in the slot but he also seems to be a little bit limited in that sense that his, his route tree seems to be the best from the slot and they're unsure how they're going to project him out to a, a Z or an X receiver so I want to get your take on, on what Trey Palmer has to prove obviously the the 40 time is going to be important with him being a deep ball type threat, but uh, is he going to be able to answer those questions about his versatility at the combine, or is that just going to come down to a team needing to take a chance on him? Yeah, you know, I don't know how much he can actually improve his draft stock. I mean, the, the 40 times certainly will be something to watch, but I mean, man, just go back and look at, you know, any Nebraska game from last year and you see how he can get by defenders uh, create a ton of space get open deep and I, I, you know if I'm evaluating him I'm putting more stock in that than I am how he runs straight line in sort of a track style setting so 
you know, to me, kind of like you said, I mean, how does he adjust to more of a pro-style setting? I think if you're if you're wanting to be critical, you could say that he probably dropped more balls, um, maybe than you feel great about as a as a super high end receiver. So that's probably an area that you can clean up a little bit too. Um, but just what he did at the at the senior showcases and his last year at Nebraska, I mean, to me that that pretty much lays it all out there. You've got a burner, uh, a guy who's competitive, who 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 loves the game of football. I mean, I think that part was pretty evident too and just the path that he's taken um, from LSU to Nebraska I know he's a young father as well I mean this is a guy who's motivated to make this thing a career and and grind and do what you need to do so um, you know I think as long as your 40 time isn't a total disaster and there's no reason to think that it will be for him uh, I think his tape has has put him in a good enough position to where um, you know, I don't know that there's all that much that can hurt him this weekend. I mean, he's probably fairly set, like you said, maybe in that third, fourth round range right now. Evan Bland with us here, Hale Varsity Radio. We're at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Evan, about 90 seconds here. Uh, Travis Vokalek, the other invitee to the NFL Combine. Are you seeing any more smoke around Travis with uh, a late round opportunity, or is he likely an undrafted guy? Uh, what are you hearing? Well, I mean, it's the, it's the old saying, right? You just need one guy to give you a chance, and just the the connections I know from his family uh, in pro football is there. So, being a coach's son, I know that that can carry some weight too. So, you know, I, I'm not sure. And, and, and what I would say too is that sometimes, and I, we've seen examples of this in recent years with Nebraska where it's almost better to be an undrafted free agent than to go in like the seventh round because you do get a chance to to negotiate with teams and to find a place that uh, will maybe best fit your skill set. I mean, we saw that with a guy like Jack Stoll who ended up in Philadelphia and has been thriving. So, you know, whether he goes late somewhere and and has that sort of uh, notoriety of being drafted or or ends up being undrafted, I do think he's going to land somewhere He's too smart. He's too strong. He's too, I think, versatile from what we certainly saw during his time at Nebraska to not end up on an NFL roster. It's just a matter of, you know, the path that he takes to get there. Evan Bland with us. Evan, have a good week. We'll check in with you again. Thanks for giving us a few minutes today. Thanks, guys. There he is, Evan Bland with us. Find him on Twitter at Evan Bland. OWH will dive a little bit further into the Combine as that is tomorrow with O'Shawn Mathis and more Huskers. Hail Varsity from PBA continues. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcast is part of what we do at Hail Varsity. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hail Varsity Radio, and I wanted to offer listeners of the Hail Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do. Ten issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. And now, and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. 
Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio Roadshow Wednesday here at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, day one of Girls State 2023. Come see us at Rosie's tomorrow. You're heading on for state tournament action. We're posted up. Rosie's downtown, 10th and P, 4 to 6 tomorrow. And then uh, your home and headquarters for Boys State next week will be at Rosie's as well, uh, along with uh, all the action uh, on the radio here, at least locally in Lincoln. Numbers to get in, 489-1240, 489-1240. can email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. So, Elijah, let's dive into the, the three names for Nebraska. Good uh, story by Mitch Sherman with the, the, the talent infusion that Coach Rule is going to go after uh, with with his style of recruiting and that that track factor, right? The speed element, and and there's been progress and some wow with the number of kids that have been drafted from Temple, right? And also guys that have ended up in the league from Baylor. Now you turn your attention to Nebraska. Nebraska's got a lot of future star or future pick candidates with the, the portal options uh, for sure. But guys that are uh, going to try and make some money tomorrow through this weekend, O'Shawn Mathis, he'll run tomorrow. Uh, you look at Trey Palmer over the weekend and then Travis Vokalek. I know we touched on it with Evan Bland. My take on Mathis is... A guy that is going to be that situational edge guy that will find a roster spot or float between practice squad and, and active duty. And and I think he's a guy that can come in and, and, and do some impressive things. I think what will set Mathis apart, what could set him apart when it comes to that gamble decision is not only his get-off time, uh, he did that in the Big 12, and whatever you want to think of the Big 12 from a physicality standpoint, the Big 12's done pretty well with putting offensive tackles into the league from, from a pass-pro standpoint. Just look at Oklahoma. So I, I think the, the the first step, that burst, Mathis is a really good uh, first-step guy. And Mathis, from an arm standpoint, I mean, he has really long arms to help get around that edge. I think he's he's mobile enough to have some bend as well. I mean, your your, your prototype is, is, to me, a Randy Gregory. <laughs> he's super fluid. He's mobile. What he wants to be can be really tough and set the edge, but he is just vicious wherever you want to line him up off the edge. I'm not comparing Mathis to Randy. I'm saying if I'm an NFL guy, go get me Randy without the baggage. I think O'Shawn Mathis is a guy that grades out right now at, at as a fifth-round guy. But if he shows some some really good short burst in the uh, the drills this week in Indy, uh, he could he could climb the ladder. There's still that early film on him that wowed wowed a lot of people when he was at TCU, and I think this year at Nebraska hurt his stock. I, I don't think the. The, the numbers were what they could have been or should have been uh, based on the NIL chase. Three and a half sacks. I needed that doubled at a minimum if I'm Nebraska. The 50 tackles, there was a lot of hustle tackles he made downfield. But his his hurries, that's a pretty decent number. 25 okay, is good. And he showed up big against a good offensive line in Iowa or at least a 
good reputation line in Iowa. He dominated that fourth quarter. So I think Mathis can can do some work. Trey Palmer, then I'll shut up and let you jump in. Trey Palmer could really kill it as a third option wide receiver. Trey Palmer was the number one and, and did well. Uh, in, in two games, he lit up Iowa. He lit up Purdue. Uh, and folks will notice that. They are going to notice Michigan. They're going to notice Illinois. They're going to notice Witherspoon lining up across from him. And they're going to notice six catches, 12 yards, no touchdowns in either of those games. Quarterback situation was funky with Michigan. Uh, and uh, things didn't end up well with who was throwing the football to you after Casey went out. But Trey, Trey disappeared too often to be a third-round guy or a second-round guy. He's got that athletic ability to wow. But him being a, a second or a third-choice wide receiver, he could fit great. He could be really great and find the right team and be that third option and really wear out some defenses. I'm just going to bring up a couple drills that I think – if you're watching for the Huskers in the Combine, if you're one of those Combine fans, you should be watching for those two guys. With O'Shawn Mathis, we'll start with him because that's where you started, Schmitty. The, the drills that are really, really going to be important, and it's important for most of your, your edge rushers at the Combine. First, being your 10-yard split in the 40, that's more important than the uh, the 40 time as a whole. The 40 time still holds some importance for the edge rushers, a lot more than, say, an offensive lineman or an interior defensive lineman, unless you go and test incredibly well in the 40 time. Usually for those guys, the, the 40 time doesn't matter all that much, but the 10-yard split is going to be big for O'Shawn Mathis. Follow it up with the 40-yard the dash time. Uh, also, the broad jump among your edge rushers. How much explosion do you get from your legs? That is huge. If you remember Hassan Reddick, he topped out among defensive linemen whenever he was at the combine. He also ran, or sorry, he had the, the best broad jump of any defensive lineman dating back to like 2003. And I think he also had the second best 10 yard split among defensive linemen. You see where that got him in the NFL. That's just an example. Those drills are going to be important for Oshawn Mathis. And last one I'll bring up with him is that three cone shuttle, the L drill. When you start out going straight, you, you turn the right. That, that, uh, determines a, a player's bend and change of direction, which as an edge rusher, again, is going to be huge. So the broad jump, but the 40-yard the time looks like along with the 10-yard split in the L drill, the three-cone shuttle are going to be huge for the O'Shawn Mathis. As for Trey Palmer, 40 time is going to be absolutely paramount with him at this draft. You've seen it on tape. You've seen the speed. You've seen the separation. Is he going to be able to go get a time? I'd say either in the very low 4-4s four or in the uh, the high 4-3s, that's going to be a successful run for Trey Palmer. If he can get somewhere around a 4-3-7, a 4-3-8, uh, up to like a 4-4-2, four, four, if he's running in there, I think he's at least showing that that the speed you see on film is not just a film thing. He has that, that real athleticism. And also drops with Trey Palmer. It wasn't a huge issue his senior year. He's shown it at times through his career. Uh, count how many drops Trey Palmer has at the combine. That's what scouts are going to be looking for. That's huge for your NFL wide receivers. You can't be dropping passes in the NFL. Watch for that as well because I don't think he's going to be able to show all that much in terms of what he can do against press coverage that was a problem last year against both those games you mentioned Michigan and Illinois they were playing Trey Palmer in press coverage and he struggled as well as just how clean do his routes look uh, coming out of the slot and out wide it's hard to get a real look at the NFL combine whenever you know you're in the underwear Olympics of sorts it's different than in pads so I don't think you're going to get a great look at what that looks like but the drops in the 40 time are going to be huge with Trey Palmer Cranach always brought this up and going to give him credit for it. But even with Palmer, I mean, he's been catching the football a long time and he did more hand catching than body catching as the season progressed. That said, there was uh, some of those drops. He let the ball get into him 
right when the defender was there. Now, Palmer made game-changing plays this season. We, we <laughs> assessed the, the negative, which was Michigan and Illinois. He also was able to beat um, Indiana and Rutgers and flip the game, take it over. They knew the ball was going to him. The one thing that worked for Nebraska's offense better than about anything, and it was inconsistent, but when it worked, it was great, was that, well, Palmer's down there somewhere. <laughs> right? I mean, just start running, dude. And the the, the comeback win uh, against Rutgers and, and against Indiana as you take a fourth-quarter tie ball game at 14 apiece and, and – that deep shot really flipped things on its ear. So there's that element. You pair him in a receiving core that's already pretty decent. Wow. And I think this will also help back up a little bit of Palmer. He's a Mickey Joseph guy. Mickey Joseph's a guy that coached him at Nebraska, that brought him to LSU. And Mickey Joseph is a guy from a coaching standpoint and a talent evaluator that has Jefferson and Chase in the league. And there's a ways to go for Palmer, but Mickey goes after Sunday guys. He goes after draft picks. And he's found a lot of draft picks. He did so at LSU, and he brought one to Lincoln. And that guy was responsible for, I'd say, three of the four wins this season with his game-changing plays. The, the only problem with Palmer is he doesn't have that, that ready-made NFL ability like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, but that can set up well for him in terms of what landing spot he inevitably ends up going to. I don't think he's going to go to the type of team, and obviously the draft is a very fluid situation. You're not quite sure what's going to happen, but in terms of his skill set, it sets up really well for a team that's got a pretty well-made offense, and they're looking for a piece that they can take a chance on in the third or fourth round that's going to set up to be a guy that you can bring in situation into a football game. You can put him in the slot. He doesn't have to go be out there and be a three-down wide receiver type of guy. You can bring him in situationally. You know what? It's second and short from midfield and you're looking to take a deep shot. You can bring him in the slot, run him deep, and see just what kind of offense that sets up around because it's going to have to take a safety deep with Trey Palmer running that route. So he's going to be a situational guy, a ready-made offense type guy. When I look at the Chiefs. The Chiefs could maybe use a guy like Trey Palmer. I look at uh, another place in, in Seattle that has been struggling. Tyler Lockett's looking a little bit past his prime. They could use a deep threat option that would pair really well with DK Metcalf. Just one of those offenses that they already have some weapons. They just need that piece that they can take a chance on somewhere in the middle of the draft and hope he pans out. That's why I think it's going to set up well for Trey Palmer. He doesn't have to do everything all at once as soon as he steps foot in the NFL like those guys that we've listed, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. He's going to be a situational guy that, as time goes on in the NFL, assuming he can stick and stay somewhere, he can develop some of those tendencies, some of those abilities. His his option will be be fast, get downfield, work the rest of the, the field open for some yes. of these other wide receivers, find your role and use it. Uh, and, and Palmer's a guy that is uh, quite capable of doing that. Travis Vokalek, I think Evan Bland nailed it with with Vokalek's upside. I think he's a guy you'll see uh, make a squad, maybe even drafted. You look at last year's draft for Nebraska, 
Two second rounders on a three and nine football team. Cam Taylor Britt, perfect situation in Cincinnati. Really came on. That comes down to scouting and uh, and believability with what Zach Taylor saw. Cam Jurgens, the heir apparent, and really wowed his teammates in Philly. Jojo Doman made the team as an undrafted guy because even though he's a bit of a tweener, that guy is so athletic, he was able to play and do well on special teams. And then Samari Turek uh, did some nice work. I'm anxious to see, and I know it'll come down to pro day for these guys because they're not at the combine. What does Garrett Nelson do? Caleb Tanner also with his athleticism and quick twitch. Oliver Martin's been to three big-time programs, and he's had moments in his career. And Kolovarik Kolarvik is is also a guy that's that's very athletic. Uh, we'll get you to a jock doc here at PBA. It's Hale Varsity. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back with you, Tail Varsity Radio here at PBA State Tournament Action. We keep the basketball theme going with a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us. Dr. Ben, how were you at hoops growing up? Uh, I didn't. I was a little bit vertically challenged, so I can't say that I was the highest on the roster there. But you played, right? I did play. I did play. I played at most of high school. So well, good, good. Three point uh, assassin or more of a dribble drive guy? <laughs> Probably a dribble drive guy. I don't know if I would attach assassin to my name with basketball, but we at least tried. You're super humble. I love it. <laughs> you probably average like 28 a game, but I don't know if I was a good three point shooter or not. No, I'm just messing with you, Dr. Ben. But hey, it is a glorious time of year with uh, girls' state and boys' state just around the corner. Uh, a phenom uh, at, at the age a lot of these kids are at was LaMelo Ball. And um, uh, just a, a tough week for, for Ball, suffering a fracture to his right ankle uh, in the win over Detroit. So he'll be done uh, for quite a while. We just got to talk about what's next. What are the options here for Ball? And Dr. Ben, what constitutes surgery with a ankle fracture? Yeah, so these ankle fractures, they can come in a variety of flavors. You know, you can have a essentially a non-displaced one where the bone doesn't move that oftentimes you can treat with a boot and, you know, gradually get back into weight bearing kind of as tolerated and putting your weight on it without requiring any surgery. That's obviously best case scenario because you don't have to go under the knife. Um, if it's not moved or displaced, then, you know, it should heal in that area. And then by six weeks, once it's healed, he's gradually getting back into kind of more strenuous activity. Now, the interesting thing with ankle fractures is kind of as you move on that continuum, they get more severe and you can fracture the outside ankle, the inside ankle. They can become displaced, which ultimately then requires plates and screws. Um, even with a more advanced type of ankle fracture, you can actually tear or you can tear the ligament that holds the, the shin bone and the, 
outside fibula bone together and then you got to actually fix that as well so you know these really come in all shapes and sizes and the severity increases um, as the forces get more severe and so you know much of that depends on what he actually had in terms of how his recovery will, will look Dr. Ben Woodhead's with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday, LaMelo Ball, our topic, uh, ankle fracture for Ball. So Ball's had issues this season with uh, his left ankle. He's missed time or had three different instances of sprained left ankles just through 36 games, and now you have the, the right ankle fracture. If one side of the lower body is bothering you, can that cause added stress to the the other side yeah he can absolutely be overcompensating on that <clears throat> other side from his prior ankle sprains and placing an increased risk of injury there uh, you know and the hard part is once you start going down that path of ankle sprains as well the ligaments can get loose and they cannot be as tight and stable and so he really is potentially favoring that other side and that certainly could have placed him at risk for that ankle fracture um, and, you know, those ankle sprains, those are also not of any, sometimes they can be of more consequence as well as, you know, that can ultimately require surgery over time as well. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how he does recovering from this ankle fracture as he has to put a lot of weight and stress on that already kind of recovering left ankle. Charlotte is uh, out of playoff contention, just 19 games left. They're not going to rush him back, so he'll have plenty of time to figure out where he wants to go. But, you know, uh, the coach said, you know, it's just a basketball ankle. There's nothing you can do about it. Describe what, what a coach would mean with that in the basketball circles, a basketball ankle. I mean, that part of the body is just abused, isn't it? Yeah, it absolutely is. And as these guys are jumping and landing, you know, these ankles are at <clears throat> high stresses. Um, and you can certainly get the typical ankle sprains, and I'm sure that's what he's actually referring to because the ankle fracture is not necessarily a basketball ankle. That's, that's a true trauma where you actually break it and oftentimes requires surgery. So, um, But you see a lot of these guys, they tape their ankles, whether they've had ankle sprains or not, because they're really trying to prevent any type of ankle you know, laxity per se, meaning loosening. And so um, it's certainly an injury that's very common in the basketball world. Couple more minutes. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Lamelo Ball, our topic: uh, ankle fracture. What's the, uh, the the quickest recovery you've seen or heard of with a, with a non-operative ankle fracture? I mean, what's the soonest someone can get back, or is it pretty standard four to six weeks with that part of the body? You know, it usually is pretty standard, but if it's certainly a fracture that is amenable to not having surgery, you know, you can actually progress them with weight bearing over the first couple of weeks. And, you know, as the ankle becomes more stable, as that bone feels solid, you know, he's going to be able to get back quicker. And so, you know, you can't really shortcut the avenue of healing. Um, but at the same time, these minimally displaced or these, these fractures that you can barely see on x-ray, they're certainly going to heal a lot more quicker and they're, you know, not going to have as much um, severity in terms of long-term outcomes. And so, um, you know, if that's the best case scenario, you know, I would expect him to be back to jogging over the oh, next probably one to two months, and then he should gradually be able to progress. You know, it's probably a blessing there in the playoffs, so he's not going to get pushed um, into getting back. Dr. Ben, are there some preventative things that, that athletes can do or do do to build strength or durability in their ankles? Yeah, they certainly can. You can, you know, it's not like 
um, these athletes that are not having a prior ankle injury are probably not doing much therapy on a regular basis on the ankles, but, you know, even just taping it and wearing braces, um, you know, that's going to certainly help with some prevention. Uh, there's also just the unfortunate incident because they're running, jumping, cutting, pivoting, landing on those ankles that, you know, they just get in the wrong time and place and the injuries happen. So there's certainly a component that you just can't prevent as well. Last thought here, Dr. Ben Woodhead with this Nebraska Orthopedic Center LaMelo Ball, our topic at a Jock Doc Wednesday. Is his explosiveness, his elevation, his acceleration, can all that be affected after uh, an ankle fracture and worst case scenario, a surgery? Can that, can that dial him back from his former athletic self? You know, it certainly can play a role because anytime you have an injury, even if you're not doing surgery, you're going to get some type of scarring. You're going to get some bleeding in the area. And so as those soft tissues heal, it's going to inhibit him to some degree. You know, sometimes these bony injuries, though, like the actual break, they're actually better because once the bone heals, you're not waiting on any ligaments or soft tissue structures to heal. And so once the bone's healed, you kind of get back and go after it as much as you can. Sometimes these soft tissue injuries like the ankle sprain on his other side can be more problematic long-term. Dr. Ben Woodhead with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center, and a jock doc Wednesday, LaMelo Ball, his right ankle fracture, our topic today. Dr. Ben, great to spend some time with you. Thanks for a few minutes. Hey, you as well, bud. Have a great day. Winding down a Hale Varsity here at PBA as North Star into their locker room. And Miller North uh, ready to go. We'll wind down a show next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time here from PBA courtside here. Girls State 2023. A few minutes away from North Star and Miller North, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, the Hall of Fame coach, Jeff Smith, courtside with me. You can watch streaming Hale Varsity Radio every day at uh, H Varsity Radio on Twitter. Hale Varsity YouTube channel as you hear the roar behind us as North Star is out of their locker room. The first time in school history, the girls team has made it to state. They are loaded. We'll have a preview here locally on KFOR. Real quick, Coach Smith, what an effort by Lincoln area boys teams. Three in state, first time in a long time, and almost Lincoln High last night. Of course, Metro, uh, Omaha Metro, going to be a lot of fun to cover next week as well. Yeah, it's shocking. No OPS schools for a long, long time. First time in how long? What, 71, I think yeah. they said. That's, um, that's amazing in itself. But uh, I kind of feel like this is how it's supposed to be. I think Lincoln should be competitive. And we just went through a little drought there. We just didn't have a lot of size for a while in the city. And, um, and, and it just didn't fall together for some teams at certain times. But now we have length on almost every team. And like you said, we could have had Lincoln high end. Um, Great Northeast had a tough draw, but they were good enough to be here. Southwest, you know, was right yeah. there with the East. There, you know, there's seven teams at six, seven teams that could have gone in almost. But uh, but those top teams like Bell West and Millard North, and they're awful good. And, and that's it's going to be really fun to see how Lincoln battles them in this setting, especially since Lincoln schools haven't been in this setting yeah. for a while. A lot of folks, and we yeah. had the pleasure all year long of just seeing elbow to elbow in uh, Jim's across Lincoln and 
West Side, tip of the cap to West Side for surviving at home last night in overtime. What a what a finish by West Side. Yeah, Dan Dan's a good friend of mine at Lincoln High, and uh, I just feel for him. You know, he he's really fought through the hard times there, and now they have some talent and had a really good year, and then. To lose a heartbreaker like that is, is tough on, on everybody in the program. And, and uh, I know he's got to be hurting, but uh, they'll, they'll be back. And okay, Coach, we've got about a minute here. Elijah Herbal will take advice from Coach Smith. Do's and don'ts in Vegas as Elijah's taking his credit card to, uh, to go make it happen in Vegas this weekend. Do's and don'ts. Have a budget. That's a do. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I'm a craps guy. That's, I feel like that's a pretty safe one myself. It's not that quite, hard to learn, Elijah. Okay, I don't quite get it. I, I, I watched the whole like video on how to play craps, and I went like, okay, sevens, I, 11, okay. That's about all I know. Yeah, you, you, there's got to be some YouTube videos that are self-explanatory, okay. but yeah. just stand by a guy that knows what he's doing, put a little money down, ask him questions, and then when the hot roller comes, start putting money down. That's all there is to it. Good uh, enough. Walk in with a sport coat and a toothpick. Nothing I've ever played. And, and, and work on a Jersey accent. Embrace your inner Joe Pesci is what I'm telling you. Don't talk to all the Spider-Men on the street and all those, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So you'll have fun. I, I'm sure I will. I'm, I'm taking the, the cash I'm playing with to the uh, to the table so I can't overspend on the tables. And then uh, we finish it all off with UFC on Saturday. So I'm excited. It's going to be fun. Hey, I might even check in with uh, Hale Varsity Radio out in Vegas. We'll see. We'll see if, if schedule permits. <laughs> he'll, he'll need bail money or he'll need <laughs> ransom. I love it. Elijah, safe travels, safe trip. Uh, appreciate you, brother. We're going to say goodbye and back at you tomorrow. Downtown Rosie's Hale Varsity Roadshow Thursday. We will get things tipped off here locally shortly. North Star and Millard North. We'll talk to you again tomorrow at 4 with Hale Varsity presented by Currency. A Huda Media Production.